You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. Well, that's how you sing to God. That's how you sing to our God. He is alive. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to dig on in today. I'm so fired up to see our sister Kudzai back here with us in London, England. I mean, she is just such an incredible, I mean, she's just got this light around. I'll never forget her study in the Bible and getting baptized in the Golders Green Bible talk. I never had in mind that she would be one of the disciples that would give up everything, dare we say, go to South Africa and help begin the, 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 the remnant group that will have a church planning come to it. And she's gone down there and done an incredible job. I'm looking forward to her sharing what the cross means for her today. You know, if you're visiting with us for the first time, we we are a family, but we are an army as well. And yet in the Bible, that's what they were. They they were a family, but they were an army. They were the army of God. And yet today, I, I, you know, I'm in the family, but I'm in the army as well. And and whatever I say to you today, if it's in the Bible, it's not me speaking to you. It literally is God speaking directly to you. But if what I say is not in the Bible, just blow it away as if it's shaft right there. Now, you know, in the family, sometimes you got to share a few things that may be tough. Sometimes you got to share a few things that may be challenging. And as I preach to you, I'm preaching to myself as well. Are you with me here, church? Are you with me here, family? Are we family to the end? Well, amen. Let's look at, let's get into the Bible. Matthew chapter 28. A scripture you should absolutely never get bored of. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 16 says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Jesus is always calling you to get up to the mountain. That's the God you serve. You're not so fired up about the singles devotional we had yesterday. And we just had a devotional on career development. And we looked at Genesis chapter 18 and 19 and the account where Lot wanted to go to Zoar, which means small. But God had called him to get up to the mountain. And because his faith was small, the Bible says he settled for Zoar. And yet we are in a world where a lot of people settle. Settle for who they date. They settle for who they marry. They settle for the church they go to. Lot settled for that which is small. That's what Zoar means. And yet God had called him to get up to the mountain. And we talked about disciples not letting mediocrity creep on into their life. That you can be saved as a disciple and end up in Zoar when God has actually called you to the mountain. You can be a saved disciple and not accomplish your destiny. You can be a Christian who's called to go to the mountain, but because you don't have the faith, you settle. But that's not what we're going to do in the singles ministry right there, amen? That's not what we're going to do in the church as well. Okay, I just wanted to remind you of that. We had an incredible devotional. The singles are going to be on fire for the Lord. They're not going to settle. They're going to go after not only cranking their doctrine, but cranking their life. Here we go. It says this. When he saw them, they worshipped him. But some doubted. You know, it's so interesting. You've got Jesus Christ, the greatest preacher to ever preach the word of God. The greatest leader, the most, the, the 
most incredible, you think Tony Robbins can motivate? Jesus can motivate. This was the best motivator. This is the most clever, I mean, he had the most clever analogies. He had the most passion, he had the most compassion. He never, ever made a wrong leadership decision. He was perfect. And people still doubt. Doubt is a decision. When the Son of God himself led this quote-unquote group church, you still have people doubting. And you still have people doubting today. Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to who? To me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And the church said, I mean, this was incredible. Jesus comes and goes against the religious establishment. Judaism had been set on up and Jesus just comes preaching totally against Judaism. Totally against the, he knew that he could be killed for what he preached, but he still preached. And we know that because he died. And then he rose again. Then he inspired them to preach his same message. They saw him die. They knew they were going to die as well. And he says, go and make disciples. And I read, I've read this so many different times. Of course, right here it says, go and make disciples. God saves them, but disciples make them. See, God doesn't make disciples. Disciples make disciples. So if disciples don't make disciples, people don't get saved. Are you with me there? But what's powerful is he says, go make disciples. I thought about that. He says, you know, what Jesus was actually asking them to do is go make trouble. You guys are going to go make trouble all over the world and stir things on up. And yet that's what being a Christian was for me. When people came to help me become a disciple, they were were disturbing me. They were causing trouble in my life. I mean, I like my my, my arrogance and my pride. And I I thought the pornography and all these things, it's just normal. But Jesus doesn't come to only comfort the disturbed. He comes to disturb the comfortable. And I I got comfortable thinking and calling myself a Christian. And I wasn't a true disciple. I was so grateful to be baptized. I was so grateful to get out of all that trouble that I was in, dare we say. And now I have a, I'm, I'm a different kind of troublemaker. I'm a troublemaker for Jesus Christ. I'm a troublemaker for the Lord right there. Do I have any troublemakers in the house? I mean, that, that, that's what we do. We, we preach the word. We preach God's word. It sometimes it disturbs people. You know, I went around. I just started talking. Because at the end of the day, I look around. We got a bunch of troublemakers in here. And I started talking to different disciples and finding out what kind of, what kind of troublemakers they were when they were young. You would be shocked at the troublemakers in the fellowship that you are a part of. Troublemaker number one. I know you're thinking about this individual. Coral. Now, I, I, I talked to Coral. I said, Coral, Coral, you were a good girl all your life. She goes, well, actually, I have five sisters, and I would just draw. I would pick on them. I would pretend to hear something, and then I would pretend I didn't, and I would just drive them crazy picking on them. I was a troublemaker as a kid. I go, amen, you're forgiven, Coral. I then talked to another troublemaker in our fellowship. Uh, this individual, you may, you, I know you're thinking about him already. Carlos Vargas. Mi amado. Carlos, 
says, he said, bro, I, I was in trouble. Bro, there, there's this time I was playing basketball, and I got out there, and I started being really cool and confident, and I, start, I started fouling people and doing all this stuff. I caused such a ruckus on the basketball court, 50 guys were waiting for me after the game. They wanted to beat me up. <laughs> I said, what you do, Carl? He said, well, I, they wanted to beat me but- the police came and they gave me, a, put me in a secret car and literally had to, had to sneak me out of the court so I wouldn't get myself hurt right there. I talked to another troublemaker, Yuri Zykov. You would be shocked to know that Yuri Zykov, Yuri the, why does he get the name Yuri the Fury? He used to drag race cars. Yuri took the police on a high speed chase one time. He goes, bro, I was a troublemaker. Bradley Panda. Bradley Panda with that beautiful little baby Chloe right there. And of course, you know, Tracy, she didn't even look like she had kids. She just said, yeah, I had kids. She just come bouncing around the fellowship like nothing happened. But Bradley Panda, this guy was a class clown. He was the chatterbox. He was always talking, just always causing trouble in class. And then the one that really blew me away, I'm sure you're shocked, Anthony almost. Grew up as a troublemaker. This is hilarious. I, I, I was sitting there, I said, Anthony, this is something. This is the reason why we're friends. He would steal his mom's car in the middle of the night. Take it out joyriding around, around Los Angeles, California. Notice that there was not enough gasoline in it after he'd been driving all over L.A. And then he came up with this clever idea. Wow, let's get the guy. I got to put some gas in this thing. So he put gas in it, and he, he'd go so much over the top that when his mom woke up to go and get in the car in the morning, she would look at the needle and notice that it had actually moved over, and there was too much gas in it. And she would go, wow, God has blessed me. <laughs> Anthony would be sitting there laughing. Troublemakers, they are found in every sphere of society. You can find troublemakers at high school, college, university. You may even have troublemakers at your work. You may even have been a troublemaker. Troublemakers come in all shapes. Troublemakers come in all sizes. Troublemakers are men and troublemakers are women. Troublemakers are young and troublemakers sometimes are old. Troublemakers don't have much education sometimes and troublemakers are real clever. They're very smart. I've entitled the lesson appropriately, Troublemakers. Troublemakers. Let's look at Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. You know, the Lord looks at his church as his bride. And, you know, if there's one thing that can arouse a man's envy, or not envy, but anger, rather, it's when you do something against his bride. You do something against, dare we say, his woman. You can do anything to that man, but when you begin to go after his bride, there's a problem there. Can I get an amen from the husbands in the fellowship? You mess around with, with me, it's okay, but you, you, you go after Michelle, we got a problem. We got a problem. God feels the same way about his church. The Bible teaches the church is his bride. And that when anyone goes after God's church, you make God mad. 
It's not good to get God mad at you. It's not good to get God angry with you messing with his bride. And so today we're going to look at some, some scriptures on the different troublemakers in the Bible. We're going to find out who they were. Now we all understand from one point of view, we, we were all troublemakers growing up and we come to trouble the world with the gospel. But I'm talking about when the gospel is troubling the world and troublemakers start to try to stop it. That's what I'm talking about. Come on. And so we learn a few things about troublemakers as we look at Acts chapter 20. We learn who they can be. Troublemakers can be respected members of the congregation. Acts chapter 20. You guys still with me here? We're just getting going. Acts chapter 20. Verse 25. Paul, of course, has been preaching. He's been warning them. Day and night, he's been laying it on out. He's been stoned. He went back into the city even though he was stoned. I mean, he, he just wanted to prove a point that, you know, sometimes as a disciple, you got to be tough. After he went back in the city and realized it could kill him, he said, okay, guys, let's leave. Let's get out of here. Okay, prove my point now. i got to leave right there. But, but you got to be tough sometimes. And then we come to chapter 20 of the book of Acts, which is, of course, the directive. All the other letters are corrective measures. And the Bible says this in verse 25. Paul's giving a sermon. He says, I know that none of you, among you, whom I've gone about preaching, the kingdom will ever see me again. I mean, Paul says, listen, some of you won't see me again. Y'all are so fired up that we got Yami Bello in the kingdom. But Yami is going to Nigeria to begin an incredible great work in the city of Nigeria. And what makes this man radical is he says, you know, even if I don't come back to London ever again, I've got to go and disturb the comfort down there. I've got to go and I'm called by God. And I've got to go back to my country and save my country. So encouraging. Paul says this. Therefore, I declare to you, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves of the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. He says, it is the Holy Spirit that made you a Bible talk leader. It's the Holy Spirit that makes you an overseer. It's the Holy Spirit that makes you an evangelist. It's the Holy Spirit that makes you a woman's ministry leader. It's the Holy, Holy Spirit that makes you an overseer. Come on. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. He says, God paid with blood for the church. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to bring unity to the kingdom of God. No, that's the book of second opinions. In order to draw away disciples after them. Be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. A troublemaker can be a respected member of the, of the congregation. Paul says, when I leave, people, even for true disciples, will stop being true. And because they've lost their faith somewhere along the line, they will begin to draw disciples away after them. 
Of course, sometimes maybe they never believed. Then you got to question why they ever joined. But sometimes in God's kingdom, troublemakers are respected members. Apostles, even from your own number. Some will arise when I leave, when there's not strong leadership. Some will arise and try to draw disciples away after them. Second Timothy chapter 4. Second Timothy chapter 4. Troublemakers can be different other, other individuals. Troublemakers can be interns. Chapter 4. Verse 9. Do your best to come to me quickly. Paul's preaching to Timothy. It says, for Demas, because he loved this world. Of course, Demas means popular. This is a guy that just wanted to be popular. It says, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone down to Thessalonica. I mean, this was an intern. This was a guy that Paul trained. And he deserted Paul. Croesus has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in the ministry. I sent Titius to Ephesus. When you come, bring my cloak that I left at Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander the metal worker, another intern, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposes our message. This was a former disciple who somewhere along the line, former Christian, somewhere along the line within the church, lost his faith, strongly opposed the message of Jesus. No one has fact. Historians, some believe that Alexander the Metal Worker may have been the individual that actually testified against Paul, and that's the reason why he went to jail. There's no, there's no hard line evidence on what he did, but he, 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 we do know he strongly opposed the message. He did not believe in evangelization of the nations in one generation. He did not believe the Bible is the word of God. He did not believe in central leadership. He, he did not believe that discipling was a command of God and not the option of man. He didn't believe in accountability. He didn't believe disciples only date disciples. He didn't believe that you got to deal with your own salvation and work it out with fear and trembling. Somewhere along the line, Alexander developed, he stopped believing the message. And of course, the crux of our message is Jesus and him crucified. That humbles any false teaching out there. Muhammad didn't rise from the dead. Buddha didn't raise from the dead. Mormons, they try to think, no one's raised from the dead but Jesus Christ. That is our message. This scripture is very, very frightening in some ways. Alexander the metal worker did great harm. Former intern. Turned against God's people. God has to call him out by name. And I love that about the word of God. It gives you very clear Clear, clear, clear direction. Right right here it doesn't say, hey, there was a brother. Hey, there was an individual. No, he says, Alexander the metal worker. That's the guy. He strongly opposes our message. Do you realize, if you're visiting with us again, we are a family, but we are not. There are individuals who strongly oppose the message of Jesus Christ. Sadly, some of them were former members of our congregation. But they don't believe it anymore. They actively have an anger and a hate for the message. And they want many of you to stop believing it. And if you're visiting, they definitely don't want you to believe in Jesus. But 
when you check your Bible, the Bible says those who are, the, the, you try to live a godly life, you will be persecuted. Of course, if you've not been persecuted, have you been living a godly life? And so, Alexander strongly opposed the message. Who are some other individuals that can totally be troublemakers to God's church, to God's kingdom? Turn to 3 John, a book you probably read quite often. Third John, you guys still with me here? Verse 9. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will have nothing to do with us. So if I come, I will call attention to what he is doing. Gossiping maliciously about us. Not satisfied with that. He refuses to welcome the brothers. He stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil. But what is good? Church leaders can become troublemakers. This guy was leading a church and turned against the church. Because God's church is not just in one city. In the Bible, God's church surrounds the world. The word universal is the word for God's universal church. Of course, that's where the Catholics get Catholic. Catholic means universal. But there's no mention of the Catholic church in the Bible. No mention at all. In fact, the Catholic church teaches that scripture and man's opinion are on equal playing field. And that is a lie from Satan. I got some really messed up opinions about how life goes and how things should happen. And I don't dare put my opinion with the word of God and say they're equal. The word of God is the word of God. My opinion is my opinion. And right here, Alec, I mean, Diotrephes, he, he, he just he puts people out of the church. Here's a church leader who became a troublemaker. And what makes it so concerning is that as a church, when God looks down at the earth, as you, when you look at the sky, you see the stars and you go, oh, there's one, there's one there. That's how God sees his church. He sees all the churches around the world and they make up his church universal. Now, we are part of the visible church right here in, 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 in London. But we're not like God. We can't go up there and see all the churches. So we got to go to the visible church where we can see true discipleship playing out. Not where we just hear from the pulpit. But where disciples, the members, are fully and totally committed. And they are doing what the Bible says, not just preaching what the Bible says. Are you with me here? So he has no right to preach the word of autonomy right here. He circular, he just kind of closes himself off and says, I don't want to be connected to the rest of the body. I mean, what would happen if you cut off your hand? You'd be unhappy. <laughs> he cuts himself off from the rest of the church, the church universal, which was sin. Church leaders can be troublemakers. It's sad to announce we've had a church leader in our, in our church become a troublemaker. Become someone who's not only lost his faith, but has advocated dishonesty, has been quite uh, unspiritual, has said things that were incorrect, has done very, 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 very much uh, a lot of damage to his own faith, was dishonest about impurities and things of his life, and has gone after the church in attack, in a letter, and said very negative things about the church and decided to fall away. Hurt the faith of many disciples, and of course this is in one of our churches in the United States, if you're aware of it. And of course, I had a, an incredible long conversation with him, a few, several actually, and there's no repentance there. And sadly, I felt as if I was making impact when he was being completely and totally dishonest with me. Wow. 
I felt like I was extending the olive shoot of, hey, brother, you can, for, you, can, you can change. Here's the great thing. You can change. And he totally lied. And is now actively trying to persuade individuals to leave the kingdom. The Bible calls that divisive. The word divisive means to divide from the truth. So if someone tries to divide you from the truth, they try to stop you from being a disciple. They try to talk you out of your faith. They try to talk you into a different gospel. They try and get, create Burger King Christianity where you can have it your way. This person is not being used by God. They're, they are a conduit of Satan. And this is sad. But this is the truth. And that's the reason why you always got to have what I call house cleaning. Yep. You ever had to clean your house? How often? How often do you clean your house? Harry, do you clean your house? Okay, you clean your house. All right. I won't ask the brothers, actually. I probably need to ask the sisters. I'll probably get some. There'll be some fruits right there. The sisters are on it. The brothers are glazed over here right there. You need to clean your house every day. You know why you need to clean your house? Because you live there. I'm getting real deep here. The abyss. You know else why you need to clean the house? Because people are coming over. Don't you, you ever you ever done that? People are coming over and you're scrambling and then you put a smile on right when you clean. Hey, come on, hey! You've been scrambling. You got a sock back here. You get, 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 come on in. Yeah, can I get you some tea, coffee? You you know people are coming up. My wife, she's she she gives me these eyes. She's got what we call we call the crazy eyes. She gets these eyes. She looks at me. I go, okay, babe, don't worry. I'm gonna get on it. I'm gonna clean the house. People are coming over. In a spiritual way, the greatest visitor you're going to have is Jesus. When he comes to visit your house. And yet this is the house of God. This is the kingdom of God. This is the church. So we got to clean it up often. We always got to clean the church. We're going to always have to purify the church. And I pray that if you're sitting here today, you, 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 you don't lose your faith and become a troublemaker. And try and talk your brother, your sister, out of the very faith they had. The fact that Jesus died for the church. And that's sadly where this former preacher is. He is not to be fellowshipped. He is not to be encouraged. He is to be handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme, which means to quit on God. The only unforgivable sin in the, in, in, in the Bible is to quit on God. That's what it means to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. It means to quit, to give up. God can't force you to be saved. You don't want to be saved? He can't. He's not, you're not saved. That's what it means to blaspheme. It means just to give up, to quit. That's, that's the awesome thing about being a disciple. You can struggle all the way up to heaven. <laughs> How'd that brother do year one? Struggling. Year two? Struggling. Year three? Struggling. Year four? Struggling. Year 78? He died, but he made it to heaven. Amen. <laughs> made it. <laughs> that's how I want to go. <laughs> Struggle all the way on up there. Oh, I made it. I'm here. And then when I get to heaven, I'll be humiliated when I actually look at the true disciples and what they went through. we got to understand that there are deeds of a troublemaker. How are, what, what are the deeds of a troublemaker? I'm glad you guys want to know. Romans chapter 16. Romans, let's go to Europe. Let's find out what the deeds of... we got to go to Europe. What did Paul have to say to, to good old Rome? 
Now, of course, he never visited Rome, but he preached to them. It shows they had an incredible amount of trust in God. It shows the Europeans had a deep trust for God. Why? Paul never went there. This letter he wrote, he didn't even know half, he knew some of the people in the church, but a lot of people he didn't know. But they respected his example, they respected God, they respected the word of God, and they obeyed because it was the word of God. And so Paul starts preaching to them at the end of this letter. He says this to them, verse 1, says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Kentry. I mean, we have so many sisters that are servants in the church. I love that. We got the queen of quite a lot, Jen Watkins. She does quite a bit. I mean, she's all over the place. I'm all. I mean, I'm, I'm on Jen like I'm on Yama. Jen, can you just? And she just, she's just on it. She is just on it. Of course, you got my my lovely wife. She she does quite a bit. There are a ton of servants right there, and it's so awesome. Paul had great relationships with sisters. Says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Epentus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. He says that was the first guy that got baptized. You got to greet him. Verse 6, greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Verse 7, greet Androconus and Junus, my relatives who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles. They weren't extra apostles. The word apostle just means messenger. It says they were outstanding among the other messengers. Okay? And they were in Christ before I was. I mean, these were guys that were back. Paul had people in his family that got baptized before him. They probably reached out to him. But back then, Paul was what? Troublemaker. Killing the Lord's people. And he had individuals in his family. And now he's changed and he says, greet them. You know, this here just goes to an incredible account of greetings. You know, if there's one thing that highlights what kind of Christian you are is if you give greetings. Greetings are biblical. Greetings are in the Bible. How you greet? We did a devotional at our home on greetings. Michelle said, what are we going to do on our Devo? I said, we're going to do a Devo on greetings. And we did a Devo on greetings. I went through the scripture. I said, look at how many greetings. Paul says, you got to greet. And he has to call them to greet. Maybe because they weren't giving good greetings. You ever been on the London tube? That's everybody. Most people that... Hey, I want to <laughs> just want to invite you to my church. Ah, and they run away. He was so afraid. That'd be bad if that was in the church. Yeah, yeah. Come on. You know, if there's one area I want to call you to change, it's in how you greet people. We did an incredible devotional. I mean, we did it. We acted it out and everything. I said, okay, Mia, we're going to pretend that you're nine years old. We're going to close the door. You go over there. You come there and knock on And me and you know my little daughter, she's only she's three years old. She's nine years old. It's Mia. And we open the door and we say, Mia, we love you. Welcome to our family. We give her a hug. And she goes, yeah, can I do it again? <laughs> she just loved being greeted. Then we went through little Michael. Michael goes, okay. I said, okay, I gave him a scenario. I said, maybe you had a hard day. You played basketball. You didn't play well. You didn't shoot well. You did, you did terrible. You, 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 but you come home. You come home. How's, how's, and you knock on the door and he knocks on the door. And we go, hey, Michael, good to see you. I had a rough day. Oh, it's all you're at home. We just gave him a greeting. And that's how home should be. 
But then mom, you know, I hey honey, you're the most beautiful thing in the world. I gave her a greeting. You're sweet. You're beautiful. Oh my goodness. And then dad came home and they gave me, and, if, and honestly, I was, I, it kind of was a joke, but I actually got emotional. <laughs> I got emotional and they, they came to greet me. I was like, wow, man, this is awesome when you get greeted. Yeah. Your family, you come home. You come home and it's like, wow, this, this is my safe place. I like my home safe. I like to feel I can just be myself at home. That's the kingdom. That's the church. When there's that much love and we're greeting one another, we're all sis. You may have even felt it today. We had someone come visit. He got two hugs. Me and uh, Jonathan right out there. These two big guys giving him hugs. Okay, what's going on here? We just want you to feel like family. And I want to challenge you to give incredible greetings. Smile. Give a hug. Be nice. I know it sounds radically not that deep. It's a hard teaching in the city of London, England. Be nice. What? I mean, that's a deep teaching. So, Paul just has to call them to be excellent with greetings. Okay, let's get to this deal with here, the the troublemakers. Let's find out what, what, what kind of things they do. Verse 17. I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division. Put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teachings you have learned. Keep away from them. Troublemakers are divisive. They cause division. They cause division. It's not good. Paul says, I urge you brothers to watch out for those who cause division. That's the first sign of a troublemaker. Someone who doesn't cause unity And as a disciple, that's got to be our our, our call, to to cause unity, to be unified, not to be divisive or divisive. I hate fakes. I don't like when I see something and it's counterfeit. You know, there are many liquids that look just like water, but if you drink them, you will die. Say, God, it looks just like water. It's not. If you drink that, you're going to die. If you ingest divisiveness, slander, gossip, you can die. You may look at what it looks like a disciple, but by his deeds, by her deeds, causing division. You, you, you can see deeds evidence your heart. A lot of people say, oh, I, well, in my heart, I wanted to do this, but I wound up doing that. But in my heart, in my heart, I wanted to come to church, but I was at home watching the game. In my heart, I wanted to be there on time, but some things. In my heart, no. Deeds evidence your heart. Amen. Every one of you that have come today, this deed shows you love God. You want to make a difference in London. You coming here, whether you're young or old, you're, you're, God sees your deeds. He sees you here. Yet we've got to be disciples that are able to see and go, okay, well, bro, that sounds a little divisive, what you said. Sis, that sounds a little divisive. Right now you've not spoken to this person, but you're speaking to this person. You ever had something to say against somebody, but then all of a sudden you get real humble when you got to say it to them? Yeah. You ever been more confident to say it to this person than the person you actually have a problem with? Yeah. Believe what they did to me. I can't believe. Have you talked to them? Hey, bro, I just want to tell you something. Just kind of feel, and then you change. Because we know it takes two 
often. Usually there's sin on both parts. But we can get ourselves in trouble when we hold it in our heart and we don't deal. We can become divisive. Look at verse 18. Look at this one. For such people are not serving our Lord, Christ, but their own appetite. By smooth talk and flattery, they what? Deceive the minds of who? Naive people. They're dishonest. Troublemakers are lie. They're, they're not honest. They do not tell the truth. They pretend to have motives for the good of the church in their heart. But the truth of the matter is their motives are usually for themselves. Whether it's leadership or they want something or they, they just want to be you to agree. Right here, he just makes it very clear in verse 18. He says, hey, when people are that way, they're, they're not serving our Lord, but their own appetites. There's a selfishness right there with the deceit. They're dishonest. You see dishonesty. You go, th- th- this, is, this is a troublemaker. They're, they're, they're dishonest. They're not telling the truth. Now, it's one thing to be dishonest and then confess your sins and repent and then you change. But when you pretend to be something on Sunday that you're not on Monday, when you pretend to be a disciple, but then you're living a different lifestyle, when you got your two different lifestyles going on, you're a radical disciple and you say amen at the Sunday service, three o'clock, Porchester Hall, London International Christian Church. But then on Monday, if you're in the campus ministry or you're a teenager, you got swag. You got you to have swag. At, you know, can't, can't be a disciple. I'm too cool. I'm too awesome to be saved. I'm so awesome here at this university. I got to blend in with everybody else on their way to hell. <laughs> Married man. Yeah, I lead my wife. Honey, can you wake up? Uh, me and the kids have been up for a few hours here. Can you can you can you get up? Okay, you're still sleeping. Okay, honey, I've cleaned the house. Can you can you can you clean up? Oh, still sleeping. Oh, wow, I thought he was leading. You know, the other thing in marriage is if you're not doing something, we all have a, a hypocrisy button. I, I have it. You know, I don't. I can't call somebody to do something I'm not doing. And oftentimes, if you you, you can't lead, it's because you you're not doing it. You're afraid to call someone to follow you because you don't want them following you. Because you know where you're going. Come on. So you got to repent. We got to be real. Not dishonest. Troublemakers are dishonest. They're not telling all of the truth. This one here is big. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 13. 1 Kings chapter 13. We got to go old school on, on this one. First Kings. Of course, in the Hebrew Bible, it was called First and Second Kingdoms. Why? Because it was really, the kingdom was about a, a realm, an area. But for us, the kingdom isn't an area. The kingdom is a reign. Jesus is reigning right now, right? He's not going to reign. There's no great tribulation when he's going to come back and then the kingdom will be established. The kingdom is now. It's been established. He's reigning right now. Well, that's if... You've made peace with God. That's if you made peace with God. Right here we have an incredible, incredible account of the last principle that you can find in a troublemaker, which is a deceitful. 
They're deceitful. This here has this incredible story of the, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. God unified the tribes of Israel. There were 12 of them at, at Jerusalem. But then Solomon begins to take on over. He has to do some house cleaning at the beginning of First Kings. He has to get all the, guys, the troublemakers out before he can actually start leading anything. And then we get to the point where, where, where a king actually created what, again, Burger King Christianity for the church. He understood that God's people were going to go back to Judah. And of course, Judah is where we get Jesus Christ. Okay, And so he understood that people were going to go back to Judah, go back to Jerusalem, dare we say. And so he didn't want them to go back to Jerusalem. It'd take too long and it's too, that's too, too much of a I'm going to create a shorter path to salvation for you. So he created two idols and said, hey, here, why don't you guys go just serve here. And this thing was evil. This was wicked. This happened in the ten northern tribes of God's kingdom, whereas the two in the south stayed faithful, stayed committed, stayed true to the deep, hardline teachings of God's word. And so God has to deal with the northern tribes. So what does he do? He sends a man of God. Chapter 13, verse 1. By the word of the Lord, a man of God came from Judah to Bethel. Bethel's in the north. This, I mean, right there, there's a lesson. There was nobody in the north. There was nobody in the former fellowship, dare we say, that had enough a conviction to call it on out. So God has to send up this man from Judah. The other thing is, it's just, the Bible just says it's a man of God. You don't need a name to do something great for the Lord. He's just called a man of God. Amen. I hope you feel like you're a woman or a man of God today. He cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord. Oh, altar, altar. This is what the Lord says. A son named Josiah will be born to the house of David. On you will sacrifice the priests of the high places who now make offerings here. And and human bones will be burned on you. That same day the man of God gave a sign. This is the sign the Lord has declared. The altar will be split apart and the ashes on it will be poured out. I mean, this guy basically came and said, because you created this easier path to salvation. And you know we have that nowadays. Because you did that for God's people, judgment's coming. So that's what's going on here. The man of God comes to him and says, judgment's coming on you because you, you've, 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 you've added, you've, you've changed the gospel, dare we say. Verse 4. When King Jeroboam heard what the man of God cried out against the altar of Bethel, he stretched out his hands from the altar and said, seize him. I mean, he gets mad at the message. But the hand stretched out to, towards the man shriveled up so that it could not pull it back. Also, the altar was split apart and the ashes poured out according to the sign given by the man of God by the word of the Lord. Then the king said to the man of God, Can you intercede with the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand may be restored? You know, that happens sometimes. Someone comes to you and says, Brother, don't do that. Judgment's coming. And you shrivel up that discipling. You shrivel up that teaching. And then when the judgment comes on you, you're like, well, can, can I get some help? Can I get some? That's what's going on here. So the man of God interceded with the Lord. And the king's hand was restored and became as, as it was before. The king said to the man of God, come home with me and have something to eat. And I will give you a gift. But the man of God answered the king, even if you were to give me half your possession, I could not go with you. Nor would I eat bread and drink water here. For I was commanded by the word of the Lord. You must not eat bread or drink water or return by the way you came. So he took another road and did not return by the way he had come to Bethel. I mean, the man of God's being obedient to the word of God. You catch that right there? It says, don't go another, don't, don't hang out with anybody. Don't go to Nando's on the way. Don't do any of that. Go down there, preach the word, come home. Okay? What happens? 
Now there was a certain old prophet living in Bethel. Mm, there's an old, there's an old guy there. He's been there for a while. He knows a man of God's coming to that city. Whose sons came and told him all the man of God had done there that day. They also told their father what he had said to the king. Their father asked him, which way did he go? And his son showed him which road the man of God from Judah had taken. So he said to his son, saddle the donkey for me. And so he basically goes after the man of God. And the Bible says this here in verse 18. The old prophet answered, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel said to me by the word of the Lord, bring back with you to your house so that you can eat so you may eat bread and drink water but he was lying to him so the man of God in all his dereliction and disobedience returned with him and ate and drank in his house while they were sitting at the table the word of the Lord came to the old prophet who had brought him back he cried out to the man of God who had come from Judah this is what the Lord says You have defied the word of the Lord and have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. I mean, now he's trying, now he's discipling him. He messes him up and takes him off course. And now he's saying, well, you're going to get in trouble for that. You came back and ate bread and drank water in a place where where he told you not to eat or drink. Therefore, your body will not be buried in the tomb of your father. When the man of God had finished eating and drinking, the prophet who had brought him back saddled his donkey for him. As he went on his way, a lion met him on the, and killed him. His body was thrown down on the road with both the donkey and the lion standing beside it. You notice that the lion didn't kill the donkey? Isn't that interesting? Because this was the line of God's judgment. God's judgment is precise. God says, the donkey didn't do anything. <laughs> The donkey was not disobedient. You can live. Lock donkey lips. The man of God, however. You know, this story is really challenging, actually. He dies. You know what the old prophet does after that? Oh, can you bury me with him? Please, can I get buried with him? He goes back to the town and says, hey, guess what, guys? The man of God died. Can you believe that? Yeah, you sabotaged him. You as a religious person, a prophet, a man of God, a disciple. Figure it out. You knew you had some things that are kind of these commonalities of interest. You knew exactly what to say to take him away. And you took him out. Now you want to be buried with him and pretend like you were out to protect him? Here's the most, here's what you got to hear today. The king was sinful, creating this short path. He gets the shriveled hand, but you know, he got it healed on up again. Amen. The old prophet is sitting in this old city, no miracles, no baptisms, no nothing, for a long time, no faith, insecure now that a man of God has come to the city and wants to do something. But you know who gets the strongest judgment? The man of God. Because God thinks you are special. And God holds you to a higher standard. God holds you to a higher standard. Judgment begins with the family of believers. Listen, if the Bible says it, that settles it. If someone is divisive, if someone is not a disciple, if someone doesn't love Jesus, do not try and add to the word of God. I mean, the man of God was disobedient to the word of God. And it cost him his life. 
And we find that this whole prophet, very simply stated, was deceitful. And that's how he tried to take him out. We have individuals that were part of our fellowship, old prophets, been around a long time, been through a few different movements, watching our churches as we speak, watching some of you young converts, watching some of you young men of God, some of you young women of God, right as we speak, trying to find a way to take you off course. Sending out emails, sending out letters, trying to find a way to get you to come down and have a meal. Come meet with me. Hang out with me and let me pour all my faithless bitterness into you and persuade you not to be the incredible woman or man of God you actually can be. Let me tell you about everything that happened to me in the movement. How I failed over and over and how you can't make it. Let me let my destiny become yours. That sounds like Satan. He's the real troublemaker. He's the one who's your adversary. Listen, brothers and sisters, we've got to be clear-minded that although we have an incredible, wonderful, I love the London church, we have an enemy called the devil. And he is after your soul. He is after your brother. He is after your sister. You've got to fight for your faith. You've got to fight for your soul. We've got to be obedient to the word of God. I've got to bring it in for a close. I don't think it goes without needing to be said that troublemakers need to be dealt with. Paul dealt with them. But I also ask myself a question. Why, Why does God allow troublemakers? Why, why does he do that? Why, why he just, can't we just have peace? Can't, we just, can't it just be nice? And I thought about it. And it reminded me of Exodus chapter 1. Where the Bible says this here in verse 6. Now Joseph and all his brothers and his generation died. But the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in number, and became as numerous as the sand fills the, as the seashore. As the sand fills them. And then in verse 8 it says, Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. He said to the people, The Israelites have become far and too numerous for us. Come, we must deal with them shrewdly. Or they'll become even more numerous. And if war breaks out will join our enemies and fight against us and leave the... So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. Look at these troublemakers, what they're doing to God's people. And they built Python and Ramnes as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied. God is... God is you you got to be purified so you can multiply. allows troublemakers so you can be he let them be purified by troublemakers oppressing them but guess what happened they multiplied they multiplied sometimes God has to purify your heart so that you can multiply sometimes God has to purify the church so that we can multiply sometimes God even has to purify the very movement that he is leading And get those false leaders out 
get those cut off those dead branches so that we can have a sold out base of pure disciples where we love one another we reach out to people we bring them into the home it's peaceful we give them our greeting we love up on them and we have a sold out disciples uh, a base of sold out disciples ready to go anywhere do anything and give up everything God's purifying this movement that's all that's why he allows it I want the movement purified I want to be purified I want to make sure and, and, and hey we got to keep the house clean but the purifying is so that we can begin multiplying you know I, I so I'm so encouraging our brother former Muslim background say we are not I'm not going with the Quran I'm going with Jesus and he got baptized just a few weeks ago he's sitting over there he's looking at me he's going okay God had to purify him right there but he's ready to multiply and this is our challenge don't lose faith when God purifies you. When the troublemakers try and talk you out of your faith, don't be meeting with them. Don't be hanging out with them. Delete them off Facebook. Get rid of their, their, their have nothing to do. We got way more things to do than to be debating on Facebook, debating online, and thinking that we are great. Do you, know, you realize when Paul told Timothy to, to, to deal with things? Timothy didn't go, well, you know, Alexander didn't treat me really bad, Paul. Timothy goes, okay, amen. He did you great harm? Amen. I'm trusting leadership is trusting God. Amen. And so he trusted the direction. Rebelling against leadership is rebelling against God. And so we've got to just stay hard line about this. Now, we understand we are troublemakers. Because in Acts chapter 17, the Bible says, hey, Paul and Silas and the disciples caused trouble all over the world. But that's a godly trouble. That's going to lead to the salvation of all of our generation. I love you. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events, or devotionals, you can find all that on our website also. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one.